Um, the New Testament reading is from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 12. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even if for now, for a little while, you have had to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold that, though perishable, is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy, for you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that was to be yours made careful search and inquiry, inquiring about the person or time that the spirit of Christ within them indicated when it testified in advance to the sufferings destined for Christ and the subsequent glory. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in regard to the things that have now been announced to you through those who brought you good news by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our gospel reading is from Luke chapter 24, verses 28 through 35. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Would you join me in prayer? Our gracious God, we give you thanks for this day, this beautiful day. We give you thanks for this joyful occasion to gather as this community of Resurrection Philadelphia and to worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank you for your word and for your spirit. And we ask now that you would be with us, that you would bless us, and that you would use this time uh, to grow us up into the likeness of Jesus for our own good uh, and for the good of the world and all the people you've given us to love, all the people to whom you call us to show up and be present like Jesus and with Jesus. So we pray for your blessing now uh, through Christ our Lord. Amen. So I'm going to do something I've never done before. And I'm not going to preach the sermon that I planned to preach today. 
If you want to hear the sermon that I plan to preach today, uh, it's actually on YouTube because we pre-recorded yesterday uh, for our live stream time slot at 9.30. Christopher and I uh, and and Stacey McDonald, we were over at the Center City Building. And so I preached a full sermon on this text, and it's on the internet. And if you want to hear what I have to say, you can go find that. But what I'm going to do instead is offer a short reflection and then get out of the way so that we can hear from Mao and Janet Abaya. Uh, I was at coffee hour with Mao and Janet this morning, and thank you to the deacons for hosting that time and putting that on um, to the global team specifically. Uh, But in this text from Luke, this Emmaus Road scene, the disciples have this moment, right, where they're with Jesus, they've encountered Jesus, uh, and then their eyes are opened in the breaking of bread. They perceive him, they recognize him, And they rejoice, and as soon as he's gone, they say, we're not our hearts burning within us while we were in his presence, when he was opening the scriptures to us, right? And so I had a moment in our coffee hour as I'm listening to Mawo and Janet talk about their work in Nigeria and the life of prayer that undergirds their mission and the kinds of work that they're doing in making disciples there and the, just, just the realities of their situation, the world that they live in and what discipleship looks like in their context. I'd rather you hear from them today than from me. And I would rather have the opportunity to listen all over again to what I heard this morning because I have to, I have to admit, my heart was burning within me as I heard of their love for Jesus, of their deep hope and faith that compels them in their work in Nigeria. So in just a moment, I will invite them up, but I don't want to abandon my calling at least to open the scriptures and proclaim the gospel to you before we come to the table, because this is a really beautiful, powerful, and important text. It's an important text for us because our worship is actually built around this Emmaus road narrative. The flow of our worship service is actually tracking with the kind of encounter with Jesus that the disciples on the Emmaus road have. Now, Cindy last week really helpfully introduced us to the context of like, put yourselves in the shoes of these disciples who are walking away from Jerusalem on this Roman road, and they're dejected. Their shoulders are probably slumped and heavy. They, they've just seen their rabbi crucified by the Roman Empire, right? Um, They they wake up to a, a reality where their rabbi has been crucified. They're probably afraid, they're confused, their hopes are dashed, and they're walking away from Jerusalem um, in despair. And yet Jesus meets them on the road and their eyes are kept from seeing him, right? They don't perceive him. Their their frame of reference, their perspective is off and they don't even realize uh, that it's Jesus in their midst and he's walking with them and they're treating him like he he doesn't know what's been going on. He's asking them, you know, what's going on? They're like, are you the only one who doesn't know what's just happened, you know? Um, And he opens up the scriptures to them, Right? And he reveals to them kind of all these things. He helps them read the scriptures toward himself. And then the second episode of the same story, or it's really one story that we've cut into two episodes, they keep going on. They get near to the village, right, where they're going. And nightfall is at hand. And so they're they're stopping to stay. They've reached their destination. And Jesus indicates like he's going to keep on going down the road. But it's going to be dark. And so these disciples in that moment exercise hospitality toward Jesus. 
right? Stay with us. Come into our home. And he does. And as he's in their home, he's receiving their hospitality, their welcome. Something interesting happens when they're having their meal together in the home. Jesus switches roles. And instead of being the one who's receiving the hospitality, he becomes the one who's extending it. He becomes the host of the meal. And he takes bread and he breaks it, blesses it, and gives it to them. The same way that he's done in other miraculous meal settings throughout Luke's story that he's been telling so far. And in that moment of the breaking of bread, their eyes are opened and they recognize Jesus. They recognize him and they rejoice. It's a pivotal moment. And what I want us to just savor in that moment, right? As, they're, as they, their eyes are open, they perceive Jesus. And in that moment, they perceive that all that they had been carrying, this burden that they have been carrying with them on the road away from Jerusalem, it's not what they perceived it to be. Their dashed hopes are not dashed. They were just too small. And God is doing something bigger through the, through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Now, they don't get what that is yet, right? But they can tell that something beautiful and powerful has just erupted in their midst. And they can tell that Jesus is the Lord and he's here. And what do they do? They immediately pivot. <laughs> they turn right back around. They resume their journey, but in reverse. And they head back to Jerusalem. And they go back with proclamation of joy that the Lord is risen indeed. And he's appeared to us. We've seen him. And oh, it appears he's appeared to Simon too. And the good news begins to percolate. And the story will carry forward from Jerusalem as the epicenter of where the kingdom of God will come and burst forth into the world at the day of Pentecost. And these disciples in their encounter of the risen Jesus are undone and remade and renewed and reoriented and their hearts burned within them. It's a beautiful phrase, and it's one that I think should uh, tease our imagination for what it means for us to encounter Jesus. And all I want to leave us with this morning before I wrap up is simply an invitation to give and receive hospitality in relation to Jesus. I'm struck by the dynamics or sort of the, the dominoes that fall in this story where here they are, they're walking away from the great city, right? They're, they're exiting the story. And Jesus initiates with them and just comes alongside them gently yet firmly and just kind of inserts himself in their journey. And as he makes himself known to them by opening the scriptures and in the breaking of bread, he reorients them and they return. But it's only in their extending the welcome to Jesus that the recognition can happen. They ask him to stay. They open their home to him. And when they open their home to him and they sit down and have the meal and he becomes the host they then can receive the hospitality he extends. And for us, as we think about our own life of discipleship, the question I want to leave us with is, what does it look like for you in your life to welcome Jesus in? 
What does it look like for you in your life to ask Jesus to stay with you? And then to receive from him whatever it is he chooses to offer you. I've introduced a few weeks ago the welcoming prayer as a technique for a way that we can like practice in a contemplative mode of welcoming God into particular emotional spaces in our lives. There's another um, a spiritual practice called the daily examine or the Ignatian examine that there's info on our website for how to practice that. I introduced that in the sermon that I preached on that's on YouTube for today, you know, um, on YouTube. So if you'd like to hear more of that, uh, tune into that. You can visit our website on the spiritual practices site. If you scroll to the bottom, there's a bunch of links to resources that you can use. Um, but, but basically the whole point behind the resurrection rhythms initiative is to practice hospitality to Jesus, to ask him to be with us, to actually take up disciplines in our lives that make space for God to get involved with us. Now, God is already involved with us. We just don't perceive it all the time. So creating the space and asking God to meet us, asking Jesus to be with us, it creates the context in which we begin to actually perceive the gift that God's giving us in the here and now. And as we extend hospitality to him, we can receive the hospitality he extends to us. And this is something we do in our corporate life. This is why the table is really at the center of our worship. And that every week as we come to the table, we practice this coming together around Jesus and receiving from him the gifts that he gives. His own life given to us. And we perceive him in the breaking of bread. It's at the core of our life together as a community. But there are also ways in which we take this most real moment of our week, the gathered worship of the church, and we carry it forward into our individual lives, into our families, into our workplaces, into our daily rhythms, into our neighborhoods, and we ask God to meet us. We create space to welcome him. And then we see what happens. And those of us who practice this have stories to tell about what it's like when God meets us in the spaces that we've opened to him and the difference that Jesus makes when he shows up. And that's why I'm really delighted to have Mao and Janet Abaya with us today because they are more seasoned veterans of this than I am. And they serve in a context that is very different from, from our own. So Mao and Janet, would you come up here and join us? And would you all welcome, uh, join me in welcoming them? From Nigeria. Thank you for being here. I'm just going to yield the floor to you. And whenever you're done, I'll come back up and pray. Sound good? Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Good morning, all. It's uh, such a joy and a privilege to be here. Um, our first connection with City Church, it was City Church then, was in 2012 when our son uh, and daughter, it was in which direction are we now? That way, yeah, uh, near Baltimore Avenue um, there. And it's been a good, good relationship since then. We were, each time we come in, we worship. But, um, my name is Mao Abaya, M-A-W-O is my first name. My last name is Abaya, A-B-A-Y-A. 
And mawo means peace, and abaya means be careful. So if you want peace in your life, be careful. <laughs> um, we serve with a ministry called Evangelism Resources out of Wilmore, Kentucky, and we've been in Nigeria. We are Nigerians, by the way. We came to the U.S. to study and went back as missionaries to Nigeria, and we've been doing this work uh, for 28 years now. We went back in 1994, summer of 1994, and we've been on this since then, and the Lord has done tremendous things in his own way for his own glory, um, using us as his instruments and as his humble tools, and we are grateful to God for that. But we want to thank City Church for and Resurrection for your partnership and part in our lives and ministry. Um, our son uh, and our daughters came here and settled in here and they found a home here. And each time we come in here, we found it just a joy to see them flourish in this place because you founded, like uh, Chris said now, hospitality to our children extended. But our work in Nigeria is essentially a work of uh, an equipping ministry. We are involved in training, and what we do is uh, bringing people, missionaries, church planters, uh, pastors, evangelists, bring them into our facility for about, initially it was nine months of training, two semesters of training, and we train them on the essentials of the Great Commission lifestyle evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Those three are what we believe constitute the Great Commission. And so that's our training that we offer. And over the last several years, we've trained over 1,000 people in, the, in, in our school. And they've gone out, some of them back to their churches, some back to their ministries, some to their communities, those who are independent. And they've lived the training and we thank God for the fruit that we have seen. Now, um, just to underscore what Chris said, our ministry is underguarded by prayer. And this is so important. And that's why we value you so much, because we know many, many people here pray for the work that we do. We wake up sometimes and go out and meet a situation that can be confusing and harassing, and we do not know what to do. And in such times, you don't even have the, the sense to say, let me stop and pray. And God pulls us out of those situations. And in the end, we get to realize there is a team, an army of people out there in the US, Philadelphia, Washington, DC, that are praying for us. And that's how we were able to pull through. So we thank you for backing us up in prayer. I'll come back and share a little more, but I'll let Jenna share now. Okay. Good morning, Resurrection Philadelphia. My name is Janet Abaya, and it's been a joy to always come here, like Mao said, um, to find this community where our children have found a home. When you live um, in Nigeria, thousands of miles away, you wonder what happens to your children when they're here. But we are so encouraged by that. Um, Mao talked about the power of prayer. And this morning I said, prayer is our lifeline. That's how we survive. That's how we roll on a daily basis. 
And many times, like he said, we walk into our campus and we come away knowing that a power and a force that is beyond us has been undergirding us. We have been under the shelter of the Almighty. That is a power prayer. When you walk in the circumstance and situation where we work, where everything is so unpredictable, you can have a plan because it can change just like this. And to have that confidence that our sovereign God is the one who is in control of our life is amazing. So we thank you for your prayer support. We thank you for giving. You have given to us to sponsor Muslim background believers people who have come to faith from the religion of Islam, who have been people that we call so-called enemies in Nigeria, but they have found faith in Jesus Christ, and they've come to our school, we've trained them, and they've gone right back to their own people to shed the light, because we believe that light is always going to outdo darkness, and we've seen that happen so many times how our graduates have been able to go back to their own people. We train Fulanese. The Fulanese, I probably have heard about the Fulanese in Nigeria. I don't know how many of you follow Nigerian um, news, but the Fulani herdsmen have the biggest detractors right now in, in Nigeria. They are causing all the problem there. And we've trained Fulanese, and they've gone back to, re, to, to minister to their own Fulani people. You gave us money to be able to help people during the COVID pandemic. In Nigeria, many people live on a daily basis. It's the money they make that day that feeds them. They don't have a savings account. They don't have stocks. They don't have anything. But you gave. And when we started giving the food out, we extended it to everybody in our community. And so we sent our staff to the Fulani Ruga where they have their cattle, and we invited them. They were a little nervous, like, well, we're not sure we want to go to these people because they've been our enemies, so we call them. But they came. They probably were armed, you know, with their guns, ready to come just in case. But we came, they came, and we gave them food. And one of our staff, I told this story, one of our staff came and met me and said, Mommy, Mama, why are you giving food to these people? They're killing us. And I said, Jesus would have done that. And Jesus wants us to do that. And the leader of the Fulanis came to Mao and said to him, thank you. We thought you hated us. Now you've loved us. And Mao told him, we serve Jesus. And Jesus loves the world. And Jesus loves the Fulanis. Thank you. Talking more about our training, um, one of the things we do as a result of the pandemic, or we've done as a result of the pandemic is uh, our school had to close down because the federal government asked all schools to close because of the lockdown. And so we were at a loss at the beginning. What do we do? We, can't just, we cannot just sit down and not do anything because some virus is ravaging the world. Uh, it's God's world, and he knows about the virus. And so he's giving us work to do, so we have to do it. So Janet sat down, and I, we uh, redesigned our curriculum and uh, 
came up with a strategy for modular training where we bring them in for one week, train them in one course, they go back for one, uh, one month and practice what they've learned in that one week and they come back again for another course for another week. Uh, we just started it in March, really. So we are piloting it now. And uh, the first group came and they went back and recruited. Well, they, they have gone, they've done one course. So they, this group cannot join them. So we have to start another class. So there are two classes now running concurrently. One is one month behind the other. And I, I'm just imagining that these ones will also go back and recruit. And we'll have a third. So we are going to be busy. Um, but it's, it's a good business because God has used this now to create an opportunity for us to continue the work. Um, and the reason we are not opening full-time right now is because of the security challenges in Nigeria. Uh, Janet talked about Fulani Hartsman. There's also the kidnappings that are going on in Nigeria. That is big business. Uh, they kidnap you and uh, they ask for a ransom, not small money. Uh, $25,000 equivalent, and not many people can afford that. So if you, your family can't come up with that money, they kill you. And sometimes if you come up with the money too late, they will take the money and still kill you. So it's, it's, a, it's a very dicey situation in Nigeria right now. And because of that, we are afraid to gather people on our campus and keep them for an extended period. And that's why we've come up with this modular situation so that uh, we watch how things go. And um, if the uh, temperature cools down and security improves, we can now begin to bring them back. But another dimension of our training that is exciting us is the youth movement, what we have called the Great Commission Challenge Camps. We run a three full day camp for young people between the ages of 18 and 30. And these young people come to us, we train them on, they are Christians and they go to church, but many of them are idle because they finished college and they don't have any jobs. Government is not doing anything to help them. And so they are just idle. Many of them out of frustration go into drugs or into crime. But when we bring them in, some of them come to know the Lord for the first time at the camp and they confess faith in Christ, and we begin to train them. This is how you share your faith with your friends, your colleagues. And they are better at doing it. When I stop a young man and say, I want to tell you about Jesus, he respectfully listens to me, but prays that I stop and go away because I am boring. But these young people use internet. They use WhatsApp and Facebook and Twitter to share the gospel with their friends and they bring them to faith in Christ. And we teach them also, not only to bring them to faith in Christ, but to teach them the disciplines of the Christian faith, Bible studies, prayer, sharing their faith, living the Christian life, what we call marketplace Christianity for these young people. And we are beginning to see fruit. So we are very excited about this to the extent now that it's snowballing into other cities in, in Nigeria. And now they are the ones running it. We don't even show up at those camps anymore. The young people are the ones marshalling these people together, training them through the three days, sending them out with materials to go and do the work. 
and they go back and recruit their friends to come for these camps. So we are very excited about this new dimension of our ministry. And we thank you that you are praying for us. We thank you that you are loving Jesus by loving us. Thank you. Um, before Chris comes, and as he's coming, <laughs> I, I, there's a verse that I want to share with you to thank you for your partnership. Um, on June 6th, we will be on the plane going back to Nigeria, confident that the Lord is going with us and confident that you are praying for us. And there's a verse I want to share with all of us. Therefore, my beloved brethren, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. A friend of mine called me from um, Texas the other day, and she said, Janet, are you going back? I said, yes. She said, are you crazy? I said, not yet. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Can we, can we pray for you? Would you, would you all stand, um, and let's, as you're able, and let's pray for the Abayas. Our gracious God, what a gift uh, to have Mao and Janet with us today. Um, and over the last many weeks, uh, we, they've been around for a while now, but what a, what a gift to be able to hear from them today. And uh, thank you for your love toward them. Thank you for the deep hope that you've given them in Christ and the way that you've uh, empowered them by your spirit to live boldly and courageously and lovingly and generously toward others in a very dangerous place. Thank you for the stories that they have to share about how they have witnessed you do incredible things, how they have tasted and seen your goodness even as they have experienced you setting a table for them in the presence of what would be called their enemies. We thank you for the fruitful ministry that you've given them uh, and for the many followers of Jesus who have grown up under Mawo and Janet's shepherding care, for the many who've come to know you for the first time through their open arms and their willingness to extend to others the welcome of Christ. We pray for them. We pray that you would strengthen them. We pray that you would protect them and guide them. We pray that you would continue to establish the work of their hands. Uh, and we do pray for Nigeria. We pray that justice and peace would prevail in that land. We pray that you would soften the hearts of those who would do violence. Uh, we pray that you would restrain the efforts of those who seek to do evil. Uh, and we pray that you would strengthen your church in that place and enable the followers of Jesus the witnesses to your risen son who are living life faithfully in that place, uh, would you enable them to extend your love to their neighbors who desperately need to know it, who desperately need to know you? And would we as the church here in Philadelphia be strengthened by hearing these stories? And would we be reminded that your kingdom is really big and that your gospel is really big? and that you have put us in your global church uh, 
as, as a participant in this total work of the body of Christ on earth. And you've given us the gift of being one tiny little member in a really big body that is the body of Christ in the world. May we steward our calling well. May we rejoice in the good work you're doing. May we humbly listen to the stories uh, of, of your activity and your disciples all around the world. And may we continue to grow and be blessed as we hear the good news from our sisters and brothers all over the world. So be with the Abayas. Thank you for the gift of this time together. And we pray your blessing upon them now. In Jesus' name, amen.